Hi there and a very warm welcome as every Friday to Bergos Now. My name is Aurelia Rauch and my guest today as we are talking equities is Maximilian Mann. Hi Max. Hi Aurelia. Max, always good to see you. Thanks for being here today. We're talking about equities, especially about European equity. Um, I know you're part of the bottom-up equity team here at the bank, and I know that therein lies your particular focus. But can you kind of embed us a bit of why you're here today? Yes, so um, I'm part of the bottom-up equity team. Um, we are a team of uh, four in, in the bank. Each of us is covering specific sectors in detail. Uh, we cover both uh, European and uh, US markets and try to select the stocks um, in our respective um, sectors that we believe will outperform the sector and other stocks in the um, yeah, medium and long-term future. So basically, we do stock picking. In addition to this, we also manage uh, equity portfolios or we construct equity portfolios for the bank. So uh, these portfolios range from global portfolios to regional modules. Um, I'm personally responsible for uh, the European uh, equity portfolio and just construction of this uh, European portfolio. So um, yeah, I would maybe start with a short um, overview of uh, how we work as a team, yeah. what is um, our approach uh, looking like, and then we can dive a bit deeper into the specifics about the European equity market and also I can would like to give a short outlook on the European equity market. That would be great. Thank you. Yeah, so we as a team, we have a, a quality growth approach. So that means we look for companies that um, fit to certain criteria that we, uh, that we um, uh, look for when we uh, have a look on, on single stocks. So overall, we like companies that have a um, high degree of quality. So how do you define quality? First of all, companies need to have a good, understandable business model, which is somehow proven okay. and a good product mix. Mm -hmm. um, this also includes that they're not too dependent on one supplier or one customer, but mm -hmm. have a broad Uh, diversification across these, that they operate in a market with high barriers of to entry, so that they're not that uh, the chances that there is a substitute in the market which is taking over the market share is not that high, mm -hmm. and also the management of the companies plus a sound um, and solid balance sheet, so mm -hmm. means low leverage, high level of cash, uh, good accounting standard, no aggressive accounting. Um, the other aspect is growth. So um, these companies should also uh, show a consistent medium and long-term uh, sales and profit growth. Yeah. But um, not just uh, the, the growth of, let's say, the um, revenue is interesting to us, but also we look at the margins in the end because we want companies that uh, are growing sustainable. Mm -hmm. So that they don't grow in terms of revenue, but decreasing the margin at the same time because they give huge discounts to customers, for example. Right, okay. So we like companies that somehow <clears throat> prove that they can do both. And yeah, also some of these companies are exposed to these so-called mega trends. Um, so climate change, um, technological breakthrough, um, resource scarcity, etc., which are also leading to some some um, higher growth in some cases yeah. in terms of revenue because just new markets um, are developing and companies that are exposed to these trends and are finding solutions for big problems we, we have uh, can benefit 
there in the long term through higher growth. Um, but these two aspects mm, are not everything we have a look on. Because in the end, we also want to have a nice return as a shareholder. Sure. So yeah. we also focus on shareholder return. What is um, basically the dividend yield? Okay. Does the company uh, do um, share buybacks or not? What is the return on equity the mm -hmm. company is able to generate? Is the company able to generate a return on the equity which is higher than the costs of capital? Okay, yeah. So this the spread between those two numbers is also very important. Leverage ratios. So in the end, we, we want to have also a sustainable shareholder return. Mm -hmm. And uh, we also want companies that um, are uh, having a good corporate governance so that we avoid um, companies where, let's say, the management board has all the voting rights, for example. Okay. And where you uh, don't have any chances uh, of representation as a shareholder. Right, yeah. right. And uh, taking all these three things together, um, we usually derive a number of high quality companies offering a nice level of return um, and uh, having a nice growth profile. But then the fourth factor we also have a look on is the valuation, mm -hmm. because usually these companies are not cheap because everybody is looking for companies like this. Everybody likes companies like this. Sure, yeah. So we try to find these uh, companies which are also offering a valuation which is attractive. That doesn't mean that we look for very huge discounted or deep value valuations, but we try to get a good value for our money in terms that we look also for relative valuations. So that means that we look, for example, for PE ratios, mm -hmm. price to book ratios, etc. also depending a little bit on the sector. Um, uh, but we also somehow, somehow, um, yeah, look for uh, competitors, for this, the valuation of competitors, etc. other reasons why the company is having a higher valuation or not. So these are the four selection criteria. Um, and then usually we derive um, with a number of stocks. And here we also um, really dive deep into um, the analysis. So we talk with the management, we talk with other analysts, we try to really conduct somehow a um, research on those companies to really understand the business model, the underlying drivers, the risks associated with an investment in these companies. And um, yeah, after companies basically went through this filter, um, we um, yeah think about investing in them in our uh, portfolios or put them into our model portfolios, which we use in our uh, advisory and um, discretionary portfolio solutions. Max, that's uh, super insightful. Thank you very much for, for sketching that out like that. Can I ask, that is just the general approach, right? This is not European company specific. Yeah, so we apply this approach in um, like in general. So it's not specific to one region. So we apply this um, over all regions that we're covering as a team. Mm -hmm. And may I, may I, you know, chain that on right away with the question, if we're now talking about equities or the stock market in Europe, is there something that makes that somehow a special field? Is there something that makes it unique as opposed to other um, regions? Yes. So um, when we think about big European companies versus big companies in the US, we see that most of the, let's say, very well-known large um, companies in Europe are um, in different sectors than the ones in the US. So when we think maybe about the US, we think about like uh, Apple, Microsoft, 
Alphabet, Meta, which are in the communication and technology sector. Um, while in Europe, we might think about companies like uh, LVMH right. or um, Novartis, which are in the healthcare or in the um, consumer discretionary sector. Mm -hmm. So this also reflects somehow um, a difference in the constituents in the, let's say, main leading indices. So while, for example, the S&P 500 is, um, let's say, more tech and communication heavy, for example, um, European indices uh, tend to have, for example, a larger weight in, in financials and in industrial stocks. And um, also healthcare is a big, big, big sector here. And it's just, let's say, different companies, different industries that play a larger role here in Europe than in the US. So we don't, for example, have uh, these many uh, technological leaders like mm -hmm. uh, um, Apple, Microsoft, etc. But on the other hand, we have uh, a range of uh, very well-known luxury goods uh, companies like LVMH, MS, Kering, um, which are also well-known, um, but there's not really that many, that many counterparts in the U.S. Got it, yeah. So um, also the same applies, for example, to premium car companies, um, where we for sure also have car producers in the U.S., but um, for sure like the... Um, especially in the German economy, the uh, car production companies and also the suppliers are somehow a backbone of the overall economy. So we have very different yeah. um, different uh, industries here. And yeah, this is also um, taken into account when we invest into mm -hmm. these markets mm -hmm. because um, we, we look for, for leaders in the sectors that we're covering here in Europe as well. Um, overall, we tend to have companies in our portfolios with a large market capitalization. Uh, this is also due to the fact that we look for this high quality, high growth companies and usually yeah. they're also respective leaders in their field mm -hmm. um, and therefore also have a larger market capitalization. And yeah, when we when we invest here, we uh, yeah try to have a diversified portfolio within different, different uh, sectors uh, consisting out of uh, the leaders that we selected basically in our bottom-up approach and we implement um, yeah, these stocks according also to our house view which um, is on the one hand including let's say a different on the one hand a um, decision in terms of un overweight and underweight or neutral wood on uh, regions but also we have a sector view in uh, Europe and in the US and we um, also implement the sector view in the portfolios. So for example, if we are, um, have a positive view on a sector like industrials, we would have a higher weight um, versus the benchmark in the portfolio in industrials. And this higher weight would be um, implemented by choosing one of the industrial stocks that we selected in the team. So the combination of those two um, things basically lead to a resilient and um, also interesting portfolio. And for example, when we compare also our portfolio to um, a benchmark or the benchmark we use, we see, for example, some key criteria that we also have a look on in our analysis that we see that the companies in general have a higher return on equity, um, that uh, usually they are a little bit um, higher value than, than the benchmark, but this is also due to, let's say, the fact that we don't look for let's say, cheap companies with a um, high dividend yield and a, let's say, not growing business model, but we look for the ones that are growing and have a higher level of quality. So overall, they have a 
usually higher valuation, but we also avoid companies which are having a sky high valuation and are not profitable because they mm -hmm. also don't fit in our approach because it doesn't fulfill the um, shareholder return criteria. Mm -hmm. So overall, um, we I would say we neither have the companies that are extremely low valued, but we also don't have the ones which are extreme high growth companies with a um, not uh, not really proven business model and a sky high valuation, which is basically um, only justified by um, expected future returns. So we also want to have some level of certainty here. And Max, I mean, as always, there are of course challenges in every field. So may I ask, with your particular topic, what are the challenges that European equity is currently facing? Um, yeah. So when we look back at to the beginning of, of this year. I think also <laughs> did a podcast back then, like the, the world looked very different yes, from a macro perspective. Right. Yes. Then um, yeah, inflation started to rise far higher than anticipated. Economic growth slowed down. Mm. The overall um, sentiment in the market decreased. We had a, a war in uh, or the outbreak of a war in Ukraine close to the European Uh, borders yeah and all of these things affected the uh, equity market negatively this year so we have seen valuations coming down earnings still remaining quite stable from the companies um, and now we expect some sort of a recession coming up in the next uh, months and quarters so this is let's say not an easy environment that we see right now um, we see already discounts in, in the valuations um, the market is sort of anticipating this recession to come but um, there are also factors that let's say are still are still uh, not yet solved we have a um, not very clear um, let's say solution for for the energy crisis mm -hmm. we will probably come through this winter but the medium term plan is still um, having bearing some um, uh, insecurity in terms of where how is does it going to look like in the spring of next year sure so this could have uh, lead to some 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 potential risks that maybe last a bit longer um, on the other hand we have uh, interest rates which are increasing yeah. in the in europe uh, it's also not yet clear where this is going to end and how this is going to 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 evolve Overall, there are challenges, but there are also opportunities. And the opportunities that we see in this market are that, or that we see also with our approach, is that the companies that we selected are for sure affected by macro environment. Mm -hmm. There's no company which is not affected in any way from the challenges we face here. But overall, they have such a resilient and stable business model that they can take on a lot of risk or that they are able to show let's say a resilient earnings and growth profile even though the environment doesn't look too gloomy at the moment mm -hmm. so therefore we believe that this approach is actually fitting quite well to this times of uncertainty yeah and on the other hand we also believe that there's light at the end of the tunnel uh, we don't know how political politics are going to to develop in the next six to twelve months That's something we can just um, anticipate, mm -hmm. but we also don't have an influence on this. Mm -hmm. um, but we believe that this approach is well suited for um, yeah, 
volatile environment like we see right now, but also for potential recovery mm -hmm. um, in case inflation is uh, decreasing more and more, getting closer to the interest rates we see in Europe, um, leading or relieving some pressure from the European Central Bank to increase interest rates further. Yeah. And maybe also we see just like a natural, something natural here that uh, basically we are um, at the end of the economic cycle at some point or if, of some cycle and we see a normal economic slowdown. And um, the history shows that after slowdown, there's always a recovery. The only question is how and when it's going to happen. But um, we think that with our approach, we're well um, placed also to benefit from this recovery because um, first probably the valuations of the companies will recover and then the, the earnings as well and then at some point um, we will we will we will also see let's say higher stock prices again yeah Max that really was actually a great note to end on anything left to say uh, no thank you <laughs> <laughs> Max thank you so much for being here today super insightful great roundup um, always appreciated to get your to get your take on things thanks for being here Thank you very much, Aurelia. And we thank you very much for listening. We hope that you have a pleasant weekend ahead of you. And we will be back with more from Bergers now next Friday. We hope so you will too. Bye-bye. <laughs>